1: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 322, Talk Me Out of Buying or Backing This Board Game, Marvel United X-Men. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, Anthony, we are back and again... We are talking about one of the most dangerous, terribly dangerous areas about board gaming: kickstartering a whole bunch of miniatures that's going to cost a whole bunch of money and may or may not ever got played. Because, as we know that that's a thing that actually happens.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it happens more often than it doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of, and this given. is like a. Per- this is a particularly good one because this is a game you and I both backed in its first iteration at the full level and have all of the stuff and haven't been able to play almost any of that stuff. And now they're asking us to give them more money for more stuff. So,
1: yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So we are, we are turning our, if you like this back, this kind of situation to more of a positive, positive, and yet cautious and yet optimistic and yet fearful (laughs) feature review where we'll be talking about Marvel United X-Men, the new Kickstarter that's out there from CMON that has all the miniatures, very light family gateway gaming kind of play. And as Anthony mentioned, it's right on the heels of Marvel United, all of the Avengers stuff that came out previously. So I'm sure it's someplace, somewhere, somehow. You've heard about it. You've seen it. We'll be talking about the X-Men version that's currently on Kickstarter. And not just a general review, but a kind of like an in-depth, you know, expose about this whole thing. (laughs) And dear God, what should we do? What should we do? So that will be our feature review. Stay with us as we deal with all the existential angst. Now, Anthony, that's not all that's going on with us. Obviously, there's so much more that we're doing each and every week. Again, if you are listening to this on your podcast player on Wednesday, you should know that there's actually a recorded video version of this podcast that comes out each and every Friday on our YouTube channel. We're adding more and more content to YouTube, so please jump over there and subscribe. We'd love to see you over there and love to get more games to the table. All right, Anthony, so before we get into our question of the week, we want to let everyone know about a little TV show that we do on Twitch called BGA Live.
0: Yeah, every Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, we do BGA Live over on Board Game Arena and twitch.tv slash Board Game Arena. This week, we're doing Hardback, one of our favorite games from Tim Fowers, the kind of second iteration of the paperback formula. So that is up now on Board Game Arena in beta and we're going to get together with our Game Master Russ and his crew and we're going to talk about it and how it plays and hopefully hopefully not make fun of anybody's spelling too bad. I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hardback's one of my all-time favorites and very much looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I own hardback as well. I own paperback. I think I own almost all of Fowler's games. They're a lot of fun. They're unique. They're very quirky and this is one of the very few word games that i actually enjoy playing so i know you are a big word game guy you're a scrabble guy i don't want to be anywhere near that but hardback my friend it's the board game for gamers who don't like to play word games so (laughs) that will be a fun game for all of us uh obviously join us on wednesday again if you're listening to this on the podcast um, this episode of the BGA Live will be happening at 8.30 p.m. So, Anthony, that's what's going on with us. Let's talk about what's going on with our listeners and, of course, now our viewers. What's our question of the week?
0: Question of the week this week. Uh, what classic family game deserves the big Kickstarter treatment? Oh, no. <laughs> big Kickstarter treatment. Not just no, no. Kickstarter treatment. Big. <laughs> All the monies. Um, so, this is kind of a... We've seen this comeback. We had far by Island. We had um, sure what, Return of the Dark Tower. There's a couple others floating around out there. Stop. Like, and it's not just thief. Mm-hmm. stop thief, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not just hey, we're bringing back this old game. It's hey, we're bringing back this old game, and it's two hundred dollars. How much do you love your memories? Um, and so the, we put the question out there: How much do you love your memories? And so sure. here are some of the games that people are uh, that are talking about. Um, so Jeff mentions domination uh he links to it on board game geek so domination is uh a game from 1986 um like an abstract strategy type of game it's very much not much to look at but i I could definitely see them doing something with this like santorini style uh kind of revving it up a little bit um drew mentions battle masters as a, a kind of a mesh between warhammer and the command and color system so Honestly, any type of old war game is going to be ripe for that kind of redevelopment. Sure. Uh, CT Henry mentions Battleship, mm-hmm. but he he does admit we already have Sonar, which was kind of the first thing I thought. I'm like, isn't Sonar just like Battleship but good? Um, yeah. Battleship's not good, guys. I want. I talked about this on the Amazon <laughs> episode a few weeks ago. Battleship is not good. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's not a good game. Um, Scott mentions Torpedo Run with giant upgrade ships. That would be pretty cool. Uh, John, and this one got the most likes, mentioned Mousetrap. So like an actual version of Mousetrap that works, right? Because that game never worked. It's not even a game. It's a puzzle you put together and then fails. Like it never worked, but it was fun to build. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then last but not least, because this is my pick, Jeffrey mentions Stratego, but with miniatures somehow. So... That's what I want. I want Stratego, but, like, throw all the bling at it. It's one of my favorite games. Uh, I played it a ton when I was a kid. So, yeah, make a super-sized, overpriced version of Stratego. I would actually back that.
1: (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's a cool idea. I guess if I have to go with something that's within arm's length, I picked this up, you know, at one of those auction kind of charity things. I think this was, yeah, this is Goodwill, in fact. Shadow Lord's. Uh, no, Shadow Lord. Um, that's how long ago it's been since I played this, but this was kind of an old, classic kind of game, and it was really cool because like back in the day, this was the idea that you could pick unique characters and try to, um, through a fantasy sci-fi theme, take over the universe. So, it actually had a lot of the kind of early principles of a lot of that kind of cross between Euro games and Amerithrash games, and it Again, try to do fantasy in space, which is also very cool. So I guess if I had to go for something just generally in that area, but if it was going to be a family-family game, I I guess, you know, the most family game that probably would be would probably be Candyland. Um, And the reason why that pops into my head is because Funko just recently came out, I think, with like four or five different Funko Candyland Funkos, I guess is probably the proper way to say that. So if you go to Funko uh, Pops, you can find the red little player that you you could be the little red gingerbread man. And all of the different characters in Candyland is now a Funko Pop. So it was pretty cool to look at. I didn't get any of them, but I was like, oh, that's really cool. I remember those things. So I, I guess the only other way to go would be Operation because I could see that costing $200. And having some kind of like elaborate digital system or something like that. But honestly, I don't want that. (laughs) I don't want that. So don't do that. A lot of those early kind of classic games were kind of horrifying. So like uh, Perfection, right? Where it just exploded in pieces. I don't need a $200 version where like all the pieces are like gold or something like that. So (laughs) where a pop matic bubble that the die in the bubble is like... I don't know, titanium or something. I just don't need those things. I mean, Kickstarter will do those things, but I just don't need those things. So, yeah. So, again, I guess for like, as you said, from a classic kind of situation, that would probably be those areas. I guess Crossbows and Catapults was recently mm. kickstarted. That was something I had from my childhood. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And oh, this is $300. Nope. So they are classic. They are kid games that you grew up with them. But Nostalgia has a price. And that price was $300, which I was not going to back. So yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, great question there. So again, thank you all for answering. And if you'd like to answer yourself, you could join us on any of our social medias or just you know yell your answer out a window we will probably hear it because social media is everywhere that uh you know we tend to be so facebook twitter is probably the best way to find us our question of the week is in fact our question of the day that comes out each and every day so join us let us know what you think and hit us up because we'd love to hear from you all right anthony so that's what's going on with our listeners and viewers now let's talk about the games that we want to get to the table let's talk about our acquisition disorders
0: all right, yeah. So uh, this is a fun one, uh, based on a game that I played and I liked, but I didn't love. But this new version sounds really interesting. It's called "It's a Wonderful Kingdom." Ah. So this is a one to two player spin on some of the core mechanics of "It's a Wonderful World," which is a um, kind of a drafting game that came out last year, the year before, and you know, light medium weight Seven Wonders type of, of spin off type of game. And it was good; it was solid, but it it wasn't mind-blowing. It was just yet another game being like, look, Seven Wonders, but different. And you're like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fine. If, if This is the theme I want. This is great. But I just didn't really do it for me. Um, I have not played with the expansion. I've heard that is very good. So a caveat there. This is not my review of that game. I've not played it enough to review it. But It's a Wonderful Kingdom uh, takes the core mechanics of It's a Wonderful World and it makes it into a two-player only game with a solo version. And now it's in like a fantasy type of world. Mm-hmm. And it offers a lot more interaction between the players, which is ironic because now it has a solo mode and it's just a two-player game. But um, there's a bluffing mechanism. There's new challenges. And like the core of the idea here is that you have different modules that you're playing with. And each of them is a little bit different and tweaks on the rules, right? So they're all very asymmetrical. And so each game, you're going to pick one of the modules and you're going to play against each other with those two modules, right? Um, the game's divided into four rounds. Each of those has three phases. There's a split and trap. So um, you're going to take turns placing cards on two piles at the center of the table, and then you're going to take some of those cards into your hand and, and utilize them. Um, the next stage, you're going to, uh, based on the cards that you collected, choose which ones you're going to build, and then which ones to recycle to like kind of speed up development. And then you're going to produce things in your kingdom, right, in a sequential way based on how you set them out so like mechanically it seems like it's doing a lot of really interesting new different types of ideas but it's like it's bringing bringing in all these things that you wouldn't think of in a two-player game you've got the eye cut you choose you've got the kind of the bluffing elements here based on what you're taking and what cards you are actually going to play from what you took Um, and it at the end of the day still has the card drafting mechanic that it's a wonderful world is known for just in this new kind of two-player style so I'm just interested to see how it works, if nothing else. Um, It is listed as a Kickstarter game on BGG, so I think it's going to be Kickstarted. The It's a Wonderful World had two Kickstarter campaigns before it kind of got brought to the US, so uh, I know a lot of people backed it that way. So I'm going to keep my eye on it. Uh, The artwork was really good in the original game, and it looks to be equally good here, but with like a fantasy spin. And It just has a lot of cool ideas mashed together. Things I like, you know, asymmetrical modules, the I cut you choose mechanic, which nobody uses enough. Love that. Drafting in general, you know, a clever spin for a two-player game. All about all those things. So let's see if it works.
1: (laughs) No, it's great. I mean, I played It's a Wonderful World, and I remember seeing that on Kickstarter, and I love Seven Wonders. So anything Seven Wonders-ish would be something that would back, but it did look a little too generic. And then when I got to play it, it did play a little too generic. And thematically, it really didn't make much sense. Like it didn't just follow as thematically as my expectations were about the game. So I didn't end up getting it. I haven't played the expansion, so I can't speak to that. But there was a lot of just kind of like jockeying between like, I don't know if it's man, men and woman. these, these uh, tokens as far as getting additional points are concerned. So a lot of it was like, there were these kind of like two resources and the idea about getting the most of a thing so that you can score that. So it always did seem, and I guess does make sense to that. It would probably would play better as a two player game. And I actually do like this artwork better. I think that their artwork was fine, but I think that it wasn't imaginative enough for a futuristic setting. It was like, oh, cool, here's another kind of sci fi building and another kind of sci fi, you know, deposit area. Like, mm, that's okay. This seems pretty cool. There's a lot of dynamic nature to the car, a lot of movement, a lot of attacking, a lot of color and flavor to it. And like you said, adding the new mechanics is pretty fun. So yeah, this might be uh, might be worth backing then. So that's good to see. All right. Well, I want to talk about a campaign that's currently up on Kickstarter. And to be honest, like I don't know too much about the game. I know it's gotten some early reviews. It's called Transmissions Board Game. Transmissions Board Game. Not the board game, but Transmissions Board Game. Uh, share mechanical friends in a lovely Rondell worker placement game. Uh this campaign is currently running and will wrap up on Friday, May 7th. Now honestly what drew me to this game, Transmissions, is the fact that it seems to have some of the most adorable artwork about robots I've ever seen. It's got a very wally kind of uh look to them. They are very much like steampunk uh retro uh, Victorian looking kind of robots. And they have miniatures in the game that also look very cute and are very similar to the artwork on the cards. So basically the game itself is beautiful artwork, beautiful miniatures, which again, it's all about Kickstarter. But the game itself seems fun and family friendly. So basically you are playing cards and these cards will allow you to uh, move around the rondelle. Um, again, the artwork and the cards are great, and it just allows you to be able to pick up different resources on the board. So as you kind of bump around on the board, you'll be able to take actions at these different locations. Some of the actions will allow you to take additional electricity. Some will allow you to take additional parts. And some will let you get um, a number of different cards that will help you throughout the game. So some of it is just materials. Some of it's scrap. Some of it will be piping parts. Some of it will allow you to score points at the end of the game because there's butterflies and robots love butterflies. So basically what you're doing is putting together these different set collections throughout the game. So birds and butterflies score you points, pipes, these cards that you're able to put together, you're actually putting together the pipes in certain combinations to score points. So that's a cool little additional element to it. And then there's a lot of special abilities that you can take throughout the game based upon what your robot's able to pick up. This isn't a complex game, uh, but it's again, it fits that kind of niche of being a very cute, adorable, little Rondell game. I happen to love Rondells, the idea that you move around the circle and get to pick up actions. So seems simple as first, but again, can be a little more complex, can be a little more fun. And again, a family fun game. Uh, If you do want to back this game itself, there is an opportunity to back it at the $40 basic limit. If you do want to get the deluxe version of it, it's going to cost you $54. Obviously, that's really where um, those plastic robot miniatures come in. So, yeah, $40 gets you the standees. 54 gets you the the actual uh, robots, which is the whole point of getting this game because cute robots. Am I right? Am I right, folks? Cute robots? We could all agree about cute robots. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, check it out. It may be worth backing because, again, Cute Robots, it doesn't seem to have anything radically Kickstarter-related that, like, if you bought it in retail later, you could not get. But, again, it's, you know, it's it's a new company that's out there. It's a new designer that's out there, Adam West. And, you know, again, it's something that you might want to take a look at. He's already produced a couple of other games, nothing of major status, but games that have backed and have gone through the system. So... Transmissions board game is out there and available. Cute robots. I know. That's all I know about it. (laughs) Isn't the end? Isn't that all you really need to know? Cute robots. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Pretty much. All right. So that's all the games that we want hit the table. Please check those out. And let us know if there's any games that you want to hit the table. And we'll talk about it in an upcoming episode. All right, Anthony, so let's talk about the games that we did get to the table and the tablet, and we'll let people know if they should run out and pick those games up, if they're a buy, because they're adorable and cute like a robot, or if those games are a play, just like any other game that we tend to kind of come across, if those games are a dodge for many reasons, including being super expensive, or if those games are the dreaded burn and you should avoid them at all costs. So Anthony, what do you have up for us this week?
0: All right, I got Dominant Species Marine. This game has been on both of our radar for years since it was yes. first announced. Yeah. Um, uh, designed by the late Chad Jensen, uh, who was the original designer of Dominant Species, one of the greatest games of all time. Yes. This was developed and promised as a kind of evolution and iteration on that original formula, right? Because that game's almost 20 years old. And what what you're doing in Dominant Species is, is, again, you're one of those different types of animals. Uh, in the original, I think there's six different types uh, based on food chain order, right? And you're going about and you're, like, placing species out on the map and you're putting out new tiles and you're destroying each other and you're fighting for dominance throughout the game, right? And those games were epic, like Dominant Species is still one of the best games of all time, but it's also like four to six hours long. It is. Um, So the challenge of Dominant Species is that you can't sit down and play it whenever you want because you've got to get a group of people together. It plays best at higher player counts. so It does. it's difficult just to get it out, right? You need six people for six hours, which at that point you're like, well, maybe we'll play Twilight Imperium instead. So Dominant Species Marine, what it promises is same kind of gameplay same basic idea right but instead of four to six hours we're talking two to three right and instead of three to six players we're talking two to four players so it kind of brings it back down into the ballpark of what most games are these days right two to four players two to three hours that's what people kind of expect it's like the norm right and It does it by changing the setting a little bit. So instead of, you know, playing mammals down to insects, we're playing reptiles, fish, cephalopods, or crustaceans, the four kind of aquatic-based animal classes. Um, It takes place much further back, I think 60-something million years ago is what they say, um, versus several thousand years ago, like dominant species. And the game consolidates a few things and, and streamlines a little bit. So in the original, you... It's kind of famous for its worker placement mechanic, where you're going to place your different pawns on the worker placement grid, everybody does that, and then you activate them in order. It's like programmed, right? There's a few other games that do that, and it's kind of the approach that early worker placement games took, like Bus or um, Age of Empires III. This one does it a more traditional way where you still have like top to bottom, and you have to place your workers top to bottom. So if you start on action number three, you can't then go back up to action number one, right? You have to keep going down. Um, But when you place, you take the action immediately. So you're not programming out. You don't have to think about who might take an action before you. If it's your turn and you place a pawn, you're doing the thing. So Mm -hmm. do it when you can do it, right? Um, The domination is no longer on a per tile basis. So uh, it's not necessarily competitive with other players. You're going to check for dominance for each type Of element over the entire earth so it streamlines that mechanic quite a bit um and when you do dominate an element type uh you will then get an extra pawn that you hold until somebody else dominates that element type so if you on the first round of the game you're like i'm gonna dominate the gastropods done you got it you now have an extra pawn extra workers and a worker placement game very good um, you know, have that until someone takes it from you, like until they have a higher dominant score, which they'll have to take that action to get to, right? Um, the animals no longer have default special abilities. Instead, you're going to start with a hand of trait cards and you get to pick one, which is awesome. So you get like kind of a choice of what you're going to do and it's not tied to each of the animals. It's based on what you draw. Um, some of them, you do end up with some kind of funny stuff. Like we had flying... because stations in the last game like awesome okay (laughs) um and they they're legitimately game breaking like that flight one i mentioned normally you go top to bottom if you move down to a certain point you cannot go back up flight you can go up or down you just can't go between two pawns of yours right so you could start at the very bottom and take the dominance action to start the round and work your way up And it was very frustrating to have someone keep doing that. (laughs) So um, they all do balance out over the course of the game, but that is something that kind of breaks the game a little bit in the middle. Uh, And and these types of changes, like, I don't know if you've played the game before, you'll hear these and you're like, wow, those are big changes. If you've not played the game, you're like, these seem kind of smallish. And obviously I'm not going to run through the entire rules of a big, heavy GMT game. But (laughs) the basic idea is you are this type of animal You are trying to spread out the most and score the most points on this map. There are different types of tiles. They score different amounts of points based on who's in control of them, when there's a scoring. Um, You can choose when to score. There's also scoring at the end of the game for the entire map. And that's basically it, right? Once everybody's placed all their pawns down onto this grid and taken all their actions, special pawns included, and we've all passed, we can have a reset. You swap out all the tokens on the board. You figure out who has... um, gets the points for the various events and all these other things. Uh, There's going to be cards that come out during the game similar to the original game as well. These give you special abilities or powers or bonuses or extra points, a lot of points on these cards. Um, They can also do some very mean things. This is the fun part of the game. This is why you play Dominant Species. Like you wipe out all but one of a species on a particular tile, or you go through every tile. One that I played last game was, if there are more species than there are element tokens on a tile, remove them until they're equal. And I got to go through and do that on all the tiles and it killed a lot of things. So (laughs) um, people were not happy, but you know, what are you going to do? So that's the kind of stuff you're doing. It's a highly, highly interactive Euro game um, of area control, but also kind of worker placement, hand, not hand management, but like resource management type of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Like dominant species. Again, it's a top 100 game for me. Dominant Species Marine, having only played it a couple times, I already think I like it better because it's more accessible. It's easier to get to the table. I I just feel like I could play this game more often, and that automatically makes it more interesting. And it's not like the card version of a big game. You're like, oh, I'm going to play it more because it's a card version. It's like, no, it feels the same. It's just not so much, you know? and for a game like this, like any area control type of game, one of the challenges with Dominant Species is that if you do really poorly, it's not that you can't catch up. It's just at a certain point, it's not terribly fun if almost all your pieces have been wiped off the map, right? Mm-hmm. That can happen in this type of game. It could totally happen. And that's not fun for anybody. But if the game is going to go on for another three or four hours, it's really not fun. <laughs> so... um, Making the game more manageable, making the worker placement mechanic a little bit more modern and responsive to modern game design, Um, streamlining it down to the four different animal types. And honestly, like the animal type in this game, the difference is really just food chain. Like if you're a crustacean, obviously the fish and the reptiles are going to go ahead of you. Um, You get to go first, but they're going to break the ties. And that's the major difference. But the trade cards are huge. Uh, There's a bunch of other stuff here I could go on forever. but. Dominant Species Marine is absolutely a buy. It's not even crazy expensive for a GMT game. I think you can find a copy for like 55, 60 bucks. Highly, highly recommend it. If you like heavy ish Euros, it's not even as heavy as the original, but heavy ish Euros with a lot of interaction. This is one of the best ones out there.
1: Yeah, I actually did back this through the P500, which is their pre order system. And for some reason, I never got it. This was back in, like, 2019. I emailed them. I'm like, hey, game? And they never wrote back. And I was like, hey, game? And they didn't write back. And I'm like, hey, keep the game. Um, but, yeah, as you mentioned, you could pick it up for 55 bucks online relatively easy. And if you've not played Dominant Species and if you ever, 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 ever wanted to just even, like, no pun intended but dip your toe into the water uh dominant species marine really is the the way to go because when you play dominant species or the first time you sit down to play it it does feel it does look it is in some cases overwhelming as an experience as a gamer because i remember when we first down sit down play i'm like why are there like a thousand different cubes and cones and (laughs) cylinders? Like this is like, no. And then you, and then once you kind of get into it and you start to play, you're like, Oh, this is, this makes sense why this is one of the best games. And again, it's because it does have that steep barrier of entry that most people never kind of breach that and never really, you know, play what is one of the best games of all time. So this Marine version is just genius. And the fact that you can actually play, you know, any of the different species here and actually get the different combinations of special abilities. I mean, there's just so many genius levels of this because the game's already genius. So then, like, opening it up, shortening it, adding variety to it, and yet keeping the core elements to it. Please, please, this this man's work is just above and beyond. If you have not played it, pick up Marine. I, I really feel like you won't be disappointed. I've read literally everything about this. I have not gotten it to the table yet because somebody from GMT <laughs> didn't send me my copy. But uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm desperately, desperately, desperately looking forward to playing this. And I think this is going to be one of those games that's going to hit you know, big with everybody. All right, so on the opposite end of big, crunchy board games, I'm going to talk about the... I mean it's literally the opposite, right, Anthony? I mean, if you think about it for a second.
0: (laughs) It's like I I don't think it can be any more opposite. Yeah, it's instead of a highly interactive Euro, it's a very light (laughs) co-op.
1: And instead of instead of cones and cubes, it's highly detailed miniatures of like popular IPs. Like it's literally the opposite of the games. So if you if you don't want to play a heavy crunchy euro, got the game for you. So this of course (laughs) is Marvel United, the complete opposite of what we were just talking about. Now, Marvel United was a game that was Kickstarted through Kickstarter, and I backed all of the things. I didn't back the map because I forgot, and I didn't back the locations because I really didn't care. I thought I had the map. But uh, Marvel United is all about the Marvel Universe, mainly the Avengers, and a whole bunch of other stuff, which I guess we'll talk about at the end. But let's talk about the game. Now the game as I mentioned is the opposite of Diamond Species Marine because it is these very well detailed chibi-ish kind of miniatures of all of the most popular and not so popular Marvel characters. So basically just like the robots I was talking about before, it's probably why you back this game. I know it's probably why I back this game and same thing for Anthony here. So yeah. Marvel United is a 2 to 4 player co-op game right so unfortunately there's not big clashing here but it's it's basically a co-op game where you are gathering a team of heroes and you are fighting a particular villain that is the centerpiece of the game the villain themselves brings all of this kind of like gameplay and depending on what villain you play with the game is going to be slightly different I mean, in some cases, more different than others, but we'll get into that in a second. So basically, you have your hero, and your hero has a number of different cards that they're going to put into play. And these hero cards have a lot of different symbols on them. So those symbols are going to allow you to do things like attack, to move. It's going to give you wild symbols and heroic symbols, and those all will come into play. So what you're doing is you're just playing a card. So, you play a card into what they call a storyline, and then you do the action on the card. The card might have text on it if it's a special card, so that you'll be able to do some sort of special ability. But primarily, what you're going to be doing is one of these very simple actions with your miniature to move around the board on these different locations in order to do different things, of course. So, your job is to counter the villain's scheme. So, each of the villains have a particular scheme, and they play. Again, somewhat differently than each other, and it'll allow some variety of gameplay itself. The game itself has a number of different locations, so your character will move around. You will deal with threats that are on the actual player boards. You will deal with thugs, which are going to stop you in some cases. You will deal with civilians that you'll have to save. So as you play your card... The next person will go and again you could discuss who will go next and why they'll go in based upon the cards that they have although there is some general co-op secrecy that you're not supposed to like just literally lay out literally everything that you have but you do want to kind of collaborate with your team in order to be effective so at the start of the game you're going to be able to play three hero cards out there on the board then the villain goes and when the villain goes things really get messy. Because the villain's turn is going to move the villain to different locations. And when they land on one of the locations that has a threat card on it... So you have a location, it's going to have a threat card on it... Because villains are threatening those different locations. The villain's going to do a thing. Usually the thing messes with the people, adds thugs, threatens civilians and things like that. So you do want to go to those locations. You do want to remove those threats so that you will have an special ability... Because now you've cleared up that location but also so that the villain can't progress their master scheme any further. So throughout the game, you are trying to clear up those threats. You are trying to save civilians. You are trying to knock out the thugs. And in particular, you're trying to avoid these BAM cards. These are the really big bad cards and card effects that the villains have that causes a lot of problems for the heroes. Again, it differs based upon the villain that you're facing throughout the game. But as the game goes on, you're just basically drawing a card, playing a card, resolving the action, checking in with everybody else. The person who played a hero card before you, you get to play their card again, at least the special action tokens. You get to play your card. Pretty cool. So you do really want to pair up certain abilities so that you can do what you need to do throughout the game. That's primarily it. You try to knock out two of the three Emissions so once those missions are done, you can, you know, punch the villain. And once you knock the villain's health down to zero, then you'll be able to win the game. If you knock out three threats, then, you know, that's great too, because one of the missions is rescue civilians. One is defeat thugs, and one's to clear the threats. If you could do all three, you'll be able to draw more cards. But once you take out the two, the villain gets a little more dangerous, and he plays a lot more cards into the game. You can up and make this game more complex by adding challenges, which basically take certain cards out of the hero decks. But primarily, that's it. There are solo rules to this game, so you can play solo if you'd like. Because again, co-ops are solos in some cases, so that plays along with this. And basically, the whole game and the whole campaign here really is very much about variety of experiences with these different characters, these different villains. And if you did back the Kickstarter with all of the stuff, there is an endless number of variety. So it's the miniatures, man. It's the miniatures, right?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's why I backed it. And, and like, that's how they like got me down the rabbit hole. Cause I was like, Oh, 60 bucks. And I get all these miniatures. That's great. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, and you throw in this, um, I forgot what that first initial expansion was that you threw on to get to a hundred bucks. But I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And then like, you could go all in and you get yeah. five expansions and you end up with like 90 miniatures. It was like 200 bucks. I'm like, it's still a pretty good deal. <laughs> I mean, it's a good deal if you're going to use them, I guess. I don't know,
1: but they're cool. Yeah. I like them. They're the little chibis. Yeah, so beyond the basic ones, there's the Adam Warlock one that came in as a special Kickstarter promo. There's Enter the Spider-Verse, so if you saw the movie, you'll get to play with all those characters, which is really awesome because that was a great movie. Guardians of the Galaxy are here. Great movie. Definitely deserves to be in here. Um, There was a big promo box, as you mentioned, Anthony, with all the additional characters, so that gave you some additional things to play with. There's the Return of the Sinister Six. I have not played that campaign box yet, But from everything I hear, it's the best of all because there's actually six villains in that. So it actually really kind of ups the level of play. There is Rise of the Black Panther. So again, great movie if you want to bring that stuff in. Tales of Asgard if you want Thor and Loki and everybody else in that kind of universe. And then of course, because it's Marvel, there is the Infinity Gauntlet, which is this giant plastic (laughs) gauntlet that you'll get to play with, including (laughs) Thanos and everyone else in there. And of course, Yandu was a special character because he's Mary Poppins. So that's the thing. Um, this game again it is only really for two groups of people. And again, they do kind of combine and cross over in some cases. One, if you are a light or a family gamer, or like just a, like kind of like an uber uber co op gamer, and you just have to own all the co ops, this game's for you. Because this game is a game that you will be able to easily get to the table, right? Pick up a card, play a card, know, and then watch what happens. So again, as in the world of co-ops, this is definitely something you'll get to the table with a lot of people, including family. Marvel is extremely popular right now. If you back the Kickstarter or if you pick up the expansions later, you'll have endless numbers of combinations. I can't imagine what the, the math on that is as far as putting all the different teams together. But it works that level. The other side would be, obviously, if you're a huge Marvel fanboy and you just want to have the miniatures and if the gameplay is eh, okay and on a rainy off day, you're actually able to get to the table. Awesome. But again, it's all the miniatures. I mean, again, it's not Arcadia Quest. It doesn't have that complexity and that kind of fun level. It's just kind of like, oh... I got to play a couple of cool cards and do a thing and I got to watch miniatures go around. So, you know, this game is primarily about the villains. So, if you don't get anything beyond the base game, you're going to find it rather bland and generic. You really want to get at least one of the different campaigns. Again, the Sinister Six I've heard are is very good, but again, choose your flavor. You do want to have more villains because that really ups the gameplay. The more hero characters doesn't do as much. So Marvel United gets a play for me. Again, great, great miniatures, good, generic, but still fun kind of gameplay. And again, if you backed everything and you're a huge Marvel fanboy, then by all means, go out and buy this. Because I did. <laughs> Me too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, for me, it was like one of those things, like, well, I backed everything of Arcadia Quest, and I don't even know I what know. those characters are, but I know what these <laughs> characters are, so... Are you, are How you could I not? Crossover? <laughs> no. No, don't make more stuff.
1: A crossover kit, like they did with um, Kemet and Cyclades, right? Where yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, yeah. yeah. So now you have, like, I don't know. You have Wolverine or you have Captain America fighting in a dungeon or something. <laughs> Who knows? Oh my God. Hey, could happen. Could happen. We're, we're we're getting Ninja Turtles eventually, right? We all agreed on that. Did we all agree? Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. We better. All right. So that's the games that hit our table. Again, if you'd like to check these games out, hit us up on board dot com. We're always talking about games and there's a lot of articles and information to follow up with. All right, Anthony, so now we are on to a feature review. So if Marvel United wasn't enough to stir that acquisition disorder and that pure, pure FOMO, we are talking about talk me out of buying and backing Marvel United X-Men. This is going to be one of those episodes.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this is almost like a... Uh a behind the scenes type of thing. Cause we have these conversations (laughs) off air all the time. All the time. (laughs) Like like specifically today, like Chris, you reviewed Marvel United and then we would have ended the broadcast. We would have turned this off and then immediately been like, uh, X-Men. I know. (laughs) Like, do I want to spend more on this. And so we figured why not have this conversation on air and you all can hear, um, our pros and cons. Most, I don't know, pros and cons in between of whether or not it makes sense to back X-Men as well. So it's so
1: hard. Yeah. So again, let me talk about the Marvel United X-Men campaign. So if you haven't seen this yet, it's currently on Kickstarter, and it will wrap up on Wednesday, May 5th. This is not a campaign that you need to back in order to help a poor, struggling designer. They already (laughs) have close to $2 million on this campaign, And I think most of it is probably coming from people who wanted to back Marvel United, but missed it. So Marvel United X-Men is, not surprising, Marvel United, which I just talked about, but with X-Men characters. Now, if you don't know X-Men, there's a whole episode I could do about X-Men for you. And we will sprinkle some of that into it. But Marvel United X-Men does have some slight variations to the gameplay that Marvel United did not have, or as they say, gameplay evolutions. So let's talk about some of the evolutions, because again, this might be something that me, you and I might want to back, Anthony, or maybe a reason why we need to get away from this game quickly. So yep. <laughs> first off, let's talk about the uh, the super villain mode. So now, instead of two to four, up to five players can play with one player controlling the villain against the rest. So instead of just a co-op, this becomes one versus many. Now, Anthony was talking about the I cut, you choose kind of mechanic that we don't see enough in games. And that is absolutely true. This is another mechanic that we don't see very often where one player gets to play against multiple other players. I mean, it is a classic D&D kind of situation, but for a light family co-op games, this is pretty fun because now the game moves out of like, you know, alpha gamer kind of situation. And now you can have that player actually play the villain to really do stuff to the next level. So that's pretty awesome right off the bat. And it allows those villain characters to now become playable, which they were not, at least initially. I mean, you were following through whatever it was that they needed to do. But again, that's a thing. Now, in addition to that, there are new uh, super villain cards that come into the game. There are also new hero cards that, again, come into the game. There are also anti-heroes. So remember when I was just talking about those are you can, playable? Well, turns out you can play Magneto as both a good guy and a bad guy. So those characters will have their own set of cards that if you did want to play them as a hero in a team, you could do that. So again, that's pretty awesome. In addition to that, and this is one of the biggest developments that I think everyone's going to overlook, each hero now has at least four special effect cards uh, in their deck, where the last set, it was only two. So if you got anybody, Right? You were like, ah, generic punch, generic kick, generic move, generic, generic. And then every once in a while, you're like, oh, cool. This is ever so slightly thematic. Yay. Now you have four of those instead of two. So for me, I love that. I really do love that. And it, it really plays into that. So again, that's the major gameplay changes. Now, that being said, there is still 15 days to go when we recorded this podcast. So, by all means, there could be additional gameplay elements that are added or changed here. Now, Anthony and I are big X-Men fans. This one takes place, at least the the figures and the characters and their costumes, it takes place in the 90s. So, this is my era of like comic book kind of collection, and X-Men were very big for me, so... I have a a kind of close connection to this. So you are seeing all the 90s X-Men from the comic books. So a lot of the characters, if you were collecting comic books back then, if you were following Marvel and X-Men back then, you're going to get all of the generic heroes that you're kind of very familiar with, uh, which is awesome. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But again, it's your standard uh, Storm, Wolverine, Jean Grey Cyclops, Professor X, and then you're going to have your villains in here. I already mentioned Magneto, Juggernaut's here, Mystique is here, Sabretooth is here, uh, Beast is here as well. There's also going to be some additional Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, so Pyro, Blob, Toad. Very cool, nice to have them here. And now we're going to go into the big number of heroes. I am going to run through this because I think that probably for many of you, None of this is going to make any sense because they are really diving deep into this. And that was some of the conversation, right? Anthony, you and I had earlier of like, how are they going to sell this beyond the base box? I don't know, man. They dug deep. So yep. do you know all these characters before I run into them?
0: <sighs> I know random ones. Cause I've read random runs of X-Men. So okay. like, you know, just randomly i'm like oh i know i know magic i I know uh i know warpath for some reason i know strong guy i don't know why i know strong guy but a lot of them i'm like i don't i don't know who that is (laughs)
1: so yeah i'll run through them really quick these are just kickstarter backing exclusive figures so if you back it on kickstarter you will get these feral mm, polaris daughter of Magneto, Magneto powers kind of thing strong guy from x factor and other things he kind of gets big Boom, boom Self-explanatory. Longshot's awesome, but kind of like a offside character. Dazzler's awesome, but again, early seventies eighties character. Sunspot, you probably don't know. Uh, Magic's great. She was originally, uh, you know, I guess mo- most recently in one in the New Mutants movie. Kind of generic figure here. Kind of bummed out about that. Firestar, many people don't know. I do because I remember the eighties cartoon. uh, Warpath. <clears throat> Came back here multiple times. This is a version of Warpath. Phoenix looks awesome. uh This is kind of the friendly Phoenix kind of version, not the ones you've seen in the bad movies. Sunfire, no one's going to know. Wolfsbane, you might have seen from New Mutants. Blink is awesome. Days of Future Past, liked how there. Havoc looks great. Havoc is uh, Scott's brother and has like amazing powers, but no one knows what Havoc is. Uh, captain britain is here fatten x is here again you wouldn't know who they are unless you really dove deep into the characters there are anti-heroes here legion you might have watched the legion series that was on tv awesome emma frost is here you've probably seen emma frost she's been in a lot of the movies and different things there are also villains that you probably don't know shadow king callisto Deathbird, arcade lady death strike you probably know from the second x-men movie sauron silver samurai you probably know from the good wolverine movie Uh, and then that's primarily what you're going to get in the box now there are of course because it's simon there are additional expansion boxes you can get the horsemen of the apocalypse you probably have seen apocalypse the movie that came out recently it was not very good this is the 90s version of it you won't necessarily know much about it, other than the fact it has Apocalypse in the 90s version. It has all the four horsemen, again, and it does have Death, which is one of the horsemen. Again, if you didn't watch the 90s shows or get the comics, it's probably going to be a little odd for you here. But again, it gives you more of the same thing. Now, beyond this, Storm comes as a special character, which is kind of ridiculous. You do have an opportunity to back In addition to that, another expansion, which is the first class, the original X-Men, not the first class, the movie, but the original X-Men from like early 60s and 70s, they're here, so you can get Cyclops again and Beast again, but Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver come in here, so people will probably back it. And then finally, you can back the X-Men and also get a lot of the other original stuff that uh most people weren't able to get retail so if you did want to get marvel united this is a good opportunity for you to do so um it is obviously very expensive to buy everything all at once but if you do want all the extra figures this is probably the only way you're going to do it it's not all going to come to retail they've already said that um it's not terribly surprising again just like with marvel united if you are that kind of co-op fan that loves to get light games, fun games, cute, chibi miniatures to the table, this is for you. If you are a hardcore X-Men fan, this is more most definitely from you. Now I will leave this to Anthony to try to peel me off the wall because nostalgia! <laughs> <laughs> ah! No! Ah, man. <laughs>
0: So my X-Men nostalgia is not nearly as strong as yours because I didn't read any X-Men comics until college maybe. Okay. I watched the cartoon in the 90s, but I was a child and therefore I was dumb. So I didn't really know what I was watching. <laughs> I was just like woo, bright colors. Um so I'm I'm like I'm all about it. Like in honestly, I would even consider maybe picking up just the base box later in in the store just to have those like core 90s character designs, which are awesome. I don't know who any of these other characters are. (laughs) I don't care who any of them are. So the thing is with the original campaign, it was enticing to me because I'm like, oh, some of these extra characters, like they really go into a lot of different things that I do know, right? Because they're based on the movies, you know, and we've seen all 22 movies at this point. But when you get into this, if you're not like an X-Men super fan, you're just like, it's just a generic something superhero because I don't know who anybody <laughs> is. I don't... Yeah. Like we were talking about this before we got on here. Where are the characters we do know? Like... I know. you know, A Nightcrawler or something or... or Colossus. I, I don't know. I,
1: Colossus. Colossus.
0: Yeah, where's Deadpool. Colossus?
1: Where's Deadpool?
0: De- Deadpool? That's true. Yeah. Where is Deadpool? What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: know. You one job. Uh, one job.
0: <laughs> one job. Or Cable or, you know, any of those people like they are just like recognizable x-men there's a bunch of them you know where's gambit where's uh oh, rogue yeah. Where like where are all these characters that we know and they're gonna come i'm sure they're coming but because <laughs> we're talking about this two weeks before this is over yeah. and so they're gonna throw you know there's gonna be probably another what, what are they up to on stretch goals like 15 20 oh so there's like another yeah. 20 of these to come um and then there's gonna be at least so in the original campaign there was what five additional add-on buys you could do Mm -hmm. we're only up to two here so there's gonna be at least three more possibly four so i think that's where you're gonna see all those characters that we haven't seen yet which stinks because you're hiding them behind more money and i don't like that yeah um so i don't know for me it's it's not difficult to say no thank you to this because it's a bunch of stuff i don't know Mm -hmm. now I don't know how to talk somebody out of this when they do know who those characters are, and they're like, woo, this is fun. Because that's why I paid $300 for Batman stuff two years ago. (laughs) So um, I went down that road. Uh, But the the other thing about it too is if you already have the original base set of this, or even the original Kickstarter with all this stuff, how different is it? Right? Yeah. How much more gameplay are you going to get? You get more miniatures, that's cool, but how much more game are you going to get beyond what you already have i think that's the biggest question you have to ask yourself
1: yeah i think the only thing that you are again like you said beyond the x-men stuff if you're an x-men fan not backing this becomes more and more difficult the only thing you're getting out gameplay wise is the super villain mode where you can play one versus many now i don't know if there will be some sort of crossover or extra packet or if there's some way to do that with your original Marvel United, I'm sure that they're not going to let anyone know that until like way after the fact. Like, if there are other right. additional cards you could pick up or something you can do to be able to do that. I mean, obviously you're playing the villain when you play Marvel United, right? Like you're moving the villain and doing the villain things. So, um, I mean, you're not strategizing if there really is such a thing as strategizing <laughs> in a Marvel United game. So yeah i mean I, I guess anthony you make a good point there there's the, the two issues like i said the gameplay elements is it a different enough i don't know like you mentioned batman right so one of the interesting things about batman and conan before it was that one versus many right that deck right. where you could kind of set up the characters and run them through that was amazing if they would have done that for this whoop, that mm-hmm. would have been it would have been done right imagine being able to do that that's incredible one character, one supervillain moving them around, I don't know if that's enough as far as gameplay is concerned. I think the other elements are good, like the anti-heroes are good, having the extra cards are good, but mm, it's not that much. The miniatures is really why you're backing this. I mean, it's it's one of those weird kind of things where it's like if you want toys, this is a lot of toys for the money. Like if you had to buy these it's toys. True outside you'd be like oh this is going to cost all the money now obviously you're not getting a paint job with these miniatures so mm, you know you kind of you kind of take it where it comes but again i think unless you're a collector right unless you really are going to collect this as a toy right as a collectible because you love the x-men or you love marvel united as you said at first there's people who no one's going to know these extra characters even in the even in the marvel universe you're not going to know all the characters no one's going to know all the characters i will but that's that's another story for another day um but the with the x-men characters for sure right if i brought this out to game night and i convinced my friends to play it and i was like cool look i got sunspot and sunfire and they're gonna go who what what is that the same character i don't i don't understand what that means like (laughs) Right, right. But why would I want to play that thing? You know, like, so the fact that there really isn't a lot of thematic gameplay other than the fact that they added two more quasi-thematic cards to the the gameplay here, you're not getting much more, right? You can't sell a character, you can't, like, oh, this is a cool miniature with cards that might be a thing. Now, the only thing that, again, that might pull me back, I'm going back and forth on this, Anthony, is because you you play the marvel lcg right yeah do you feel that is thematic like is that does that does that rise to the level i mean you're not getting miniatures in that so there's there's a trade off right. i mean like there i mean i own smash up i own a lot of smash up i like smash up but honestly the cards are mainly this has a number 5 this has a number 4 i mean there is some right. efforts to make them Thematic, like, oh, zombies come back from your discard pile. Oh, that's awesome. Aliens give you victory points. Uh, you know. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. sometimes it's a little more thematic, and sometimes it's literally random. Uh, so we do play a lot of these games where it's like it's just artwork or it's just miniatures, and then like the ever-so slight bare touch of thematic gameplay. I don't know. How do you feel like this kind of rates thematically like you get the miniatures, you get the art, you get a couple of little cards versus the Marvel LCG.
0: I mean, I guess it's a difference between mechanics and aesthetics. Sure, um, The Marvel LCG, you get middling artwork. Uh, some of it's good, some of it's not. It's not the best artwork by far. Um, and mechanically like any of the LCGs, they spend a lot of time trying to make them thematically linked to the characters that you're playing, right? Sure. They don't do a good job with the story content, and I haven't played through the New Guardians of the Galaxy content yet, but it's most games are just, you know, this this villain versus these characters, and let's do their combos and see how it works. And even then, you know, in a 30-card deck or a 45-card deck, whatever it is, only 15 or 16 of those cards are hero cards. The rest are just generic cards that you pull in to build your deck. So... I'd say it's comparable, but this one, like Marvel United, the, the theme is just the miniatures, right? That's all it, it is. really is. Well, you, you could slap any theme on this and it's like, okay, now it's another game. <laughs> like, um, And that's okay because the miniatures are amazing, but I, you really, you're really just backing miniatures if you're buying this, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I've done it like 20 times. But if you don't know who these characters are, Why would you pay that much for them? That's all I'm saying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think like the two cards or the four cards, they are somewhat thematic as far as the game's mechanic will allow them to be. So there is a little variation. There is a little, you um, you know, feel to like the classic characters and what they could do as far as that's concerned. But again, you know, as far as like as a spectrum is concerned from just a miniature and it does three damage, you know, down the line to, you know, something super thematic, you know, where it's just like it really is the characters. It really is the story. It really does have the gameplay. It really does play out in some sort of way. You know, games are all abstracted on some level. What is the level abstract here? I don't know where, like you said, again, I feel like this is somewhat close, like you mentioned, somewhat close to the Marvel LCG, just because on one hand, this gives you the miniatures. The other hand, the other one gives you more gameplay mechanics. And they both have like good art. I think this one probably has better art, but I don't know. Like, again, I would love for there to be a game that was more thematic. Um, Fantasy Flight just released an X-Men game a couple of months ago that we talked about. And... Again, a little more thematic as far as what it's doing, but again, also very generic um, and abstract, which is, again, not a bad thing if you want to play with the characters, or in this case, if you want to play with the toys. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah. I guess the only good thing I will say with the miniatures here is the fact that they are extremely well-crafted. This is not a generic, you know, pass. Like, they really do look like, like the characters. The designs are dynamic. The backgrounds look great um the models look look fantastic and you do get a lot for the money and you do move them you know sometimes you get like a miniatures game and it's just like here's my miniature he will stand here for the whole game these actually yeah. do move around for the location so you do get a little feel for that so i don't know anthony are you are you convinced yet and not ba- about back in this
0: yeah I'm, I'm probably out but <laughs> there's two reasons why i'm out mainly um yeah. the first reason is what i've already said like i don't know who most of these characters are so it's hard for me to justify spending because yeah. if i'm gonna back this i gotta back it at a level to get all the stuff right yeah and if you get all the stuff i'm like i don't know who any of these people are why am I paying for it? <laughs> um the the second reason is this is the second time this has happened to me where i get a kickstarter in and like two weeks later they're like the next one is up i know uh the the Batman people did this and I know. Uncool. it was a very expensive Kickstarter. It was very difficult to learn and I couldn't get it to the table before the second season of that game came out. It was like four weeks later. Sure. And so I was like looking at it, I'm like, there's some really cool stuff in here. I kind of want to back it, but I couldn't bring myself to do it because I hadn't had a chance to really play through what they'd already sent me. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I feel it feels manipulative and it just makes sure. me kind of mad, honestly. So I'm like, no, I'm just not gonna back it on principle. And I don't miss it because I've still barely played that game. Like having another five boxes of stuff would not have been helpful for me. It would have just taken up more space. So I think with this, that's exactly what I would be doing is just adding to a giant collection of stuff I'm never going to get through. Um, I might pick up the base set like in retail or maybe just back it here, at like the base level, because I do like the 90s X-Men. I know all those characters. It looks cool. And I would be happy to add that box to my collection. Um, sure. but I don't know that I would go all in for like, you know, the apocalypse stuff or whatever the expansions are that they're gonna throw on there after the fact. It's just too yeah. much for me.
1: Yeah, we might see a sentinel. You know, again, it it might blow up and just be again super expensive or just, I you know, when they had the um, the whole Freedom Five which was this really huge kind of Defenders of the Realm, which is one of my favorite games, if not my favorite game of all time, as far as, you know, the co-op and everything. And they brought out Sentinels on the multiverse version of that. And it went from like, I don't know, 90 to 200 to like $400. Even though there was like so much love for both of those properties, I was like, I'm out. And as I've gotten into more gaming over the years... It, you know, when you start gaming, you're just like obsessed with everything because everything's cool, everything's fun, you want that infinite, you know, variability and the replayability, and then you play games and you don't get that infinite replayability ever to the table. So now you have all these extra miniatures, all these extra cards, and you're like, I have everything. And you have that acquisition disorder and you have that completionist feeling to it, but it never really gets to the table. So now as I gotten older and I've gotten into games more. I'm like, this is enough of a thing for me. I I'm good. Yeah. I can tap out of this. And that's like that's a really big thing for me to say. Just like, I know oh, this is good. I have enough of this thing. And I'm just like, I don't need all the things for this game. I don't need to buy that five dollar card promo. And by the time I buy all the promos, it's more expensive than the game. So yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that here though. Because again <laughs> you, can it, of- you can do it, man. You can do it send your moral support to boardgamersanonymous.com or chris at boardgamersanonymous.com or let me know if you want to play and then i will back it (laughs) because i need need to find real x-men fans from back in that day so that we could actually like look through the individual characters and really be excited that you know rando person who was a background character for 20 minutes in, a, in an episode or a movie or in the background of a comic it is actually playable here, but I don't know. So yeah, I think, I think while you might be dodging this, I might be backing this. And I have to say, Anthony, you did a very poor job of talking me out of backing this game. It's
0: not, it's not fair though. You're like the world's biggest X-Men fan and I'm supposed to I know. backing an X-Men game. Like, I spent $300 on Batman. Same problem. You're going to do the same thing. <laughs> At least it's cheaper. I guess. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Help me. laughs> I talked myself out of it pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy now. I'm good. All
1: right. <laughs> All right. So there you go. Our brand new feature. And I think our, our, our probably newest and longest lasting feature where we just talk about games that we really want. And we pray, dear God, to help us not back or buy these games so this will probably be an ongoing thing please let us know if there are any games that you want to be talked out of buying because they're so amazing and we will try to do that on a future episode whether it's a kickstarter or a game collection because goodness knows anthony and i have enormous game collections that we picked up over the years and we still don't know why we're backing the additional expansions and packets Ah, all right all right anthony that was was a very cathartic moment for me personally but we'll see we will check back with all of you and let you know what we ended up doing with this campaign until next time this is chris hey and this is anthony and we will try to save you a seat at our table because there's just going to be so many miniatures sitting there from x-men united see ya